Hallelujah. Um, first, I'm going to read. Uh, you can go ahead and be turning to Genesis chapter 1. As you're turning there, I'm going to give you three places to go that we're going to go to fairly quick. The first one is Genesis 1. We're going to look at verses 11 and 12. Please don't read until we get there. Luke chapter 6, verses 43 through 45. That's Luke 6, 43 through 45. And then 1 John, almost Revelations. 1 John chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. See, the revelation knowledge of God really flows. Once you really start understanding it, it flows like a running stream from Genesis to maps, if you'll allow me. You'll, you'll find it, the type and shadow, the truth will run all the way through. And sometimes it takes a long time to discover those streams. Today's lesson in one way is very, very simple. In another way, it's life-changing. And I'll say it another way, it's church-changing. And uh, the reason I'm saying that, let me read you a little bit again, just a few sentences from a prophecy that came through Pastor Bronk Flint in Immokalee, Florida, on December 12th, 2021. And this is the one titled, It's Your Else, I Have No Plan B. This first sentence is really, this lesson today is part of this first sentence. There is a coming, excuse me. There is coming a redefining to humanity of what the church is and the true message of Christ. I'm going to stop, stop right there for a moment. All right. Notice it says there a redefining to humanity. That's Christian, that's non-Christian, that's Buddhist, that's Hindu, that's atheist, that's everything. Humanity is everybody. See, so the question, like, what do you mean a redefining of what the church is and the true message of Christ? Well, like this morning, why we have an empty field. For those of you that's never been to the prayer center, there's quite a few acres empty field right in front of our church, right across the fence. Dave would always see visions of that field being full because people would be bringing their sick and ambulances would be there and, and uh, they'd be waiting for the service to start because the word had got out. Jesus heals here. Well, why isn't the field full? Because they don't think anything's going to happen. The, the humanity sees the church as a powerless entity. It's one of many religions that they think is all equal. And none of them really have any real power. So that's why they're not bringing the sick here. And that's why people aren't running to the altars to be saved. They don't really believe the gospel because we haven't demonstrated the gospel. Okay, now that's the truth. Right along with that, see, the church is not going to change until the message changes. Because the true message of Christ will change the world. But the true message of Christ has been so watered down, it doesn't resemble what he said. So, I'm glad to be alive at this time, and you ought to be too, that we were born for such a time as this. I'm going to read just a little bit more, because... 
there's a warning from the Lord here. I want to say that, read that sentence again. There is coming a redefining to humanity of what the church is and the true message of Christ. This will not be seen to start with by the multitudes, but it is growing in places and secret places across the land and in private places of worship and small gatherings. People that are asking for more of me. They're asking for this in their lives. And I'm placing upon them a burden that they will not be able to escape. Now here's the warning. Do not ask for more of me, says the Lord. If you are not serious. Now I don't know if that hits you the way it hits me. But he's, he's getting real with us. Because I will come to you. And I will invade your life. And I will at times inconvenience your life. For more of me. Says the Spirit of the Lord. For those who ask and those who seek and those who knock. They will be answered. They will find. And it will be opened unto them. But the defining of how I. Excuse me. But the defining of how I will come to start with, for many of you, will be a difference in your life that will redefine many places in your life. And the prophecy continues. Well, today's message is real. This, the title is called The Seed. Unless I've already used that, and then it would be something I haven't. Angie's going, okay, so the title is The Seed. I taught this message many years ago, and uh, at the fullness that I understood it then. Uh, and it was good, but now I see it much more deeply than I saw it then. And to be honest with you, this, this message is part of redefining what the church is and what the true message of Christ is. So I asked you to open to Genesis 1. We're going to look at the seed, starting with, you can't go back any farther than Genesis 1. Let's see God's plan for the seed. Starting in verse 11, God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit, now notice, after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind. And the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself. Now notice, after his kind. And God saw that it was good. After his kind is an old English King James version. It really just saying after its own kind. If you look up the word in Strong's, it's H4327. And the simplest meaning of it is species. Now, this single passage, these two verses, eliminates the theory of evolution. Every seed produces after its own kind. You might have some evolution within the species. 
they have found skeletons of little horses that are about this tall. Today, they're this tall, but they're still horses. <laughs> horses do not become cats. Cats do not become fish. Amoeba does not become people. Okay. One species does not evolve into another species. And the plant, since he's talking about trees, apples produce apples. Oranges produce oranges, and that's never going to change. Now listen, you know this is an important sentence. You know the species of the tree by the fruit that it produces. Isn't that true? It's simple, very simple. Well, let's fast forward a little bit. Let's go to Luke chapter 6 now. See what Jesus, because Jesus talks about trees, but then he compares trees with men. He makes just a perfect comparison. So Luke 6, starting in verse 43. I hear pages. Thank God I still hear pages. Glory to God. For a good tree bringeth not forth corrupt fruit. Neither does a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. For every tree is known by his own fruit. For of thorns... Men do not gather figs, nor of a bramble bush gather they grapes. Let's stop for a moment. So far, he's just really preaching from Genesis chapter 1, isn't he? He's just saying the same thing. You know a tree by the fruit that it produces. A good tree will produce good fruit. A thorn tree, a bad tree, will produce thorns. Okay? And you can tell the species what kind of tree it is by looking at the fruit. Easy enough. Now, he uses that same analogy with men, with people. You women are not left out. <laughs> Mankind. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Now, and I could have had other, there's other passages where Jesus is almost identically saying the same things. And he says, out of the you know, murders and envies and all kinds of evil things come out of the heart. It's either a good heart or a bad heart. Again, he's comparing, he says, now a tree, you can tell. A good tree, how do you know? It's got good fruit. A thorn tree? How do you know it's a thorn tree? Go over there and pick something. <laughs> you're going to get you're going to get stuck. You're going to okay. That's a bad that's a bad tree. Simple. He says you can tell men the same way. <clears throat> All right. Now John in his epistle, First John, you can be turned in there now. He makes it even more clear. Now, in the passage we're about to read out of the King James, I have added the word habitually because that's what the, act, the Greek actually says. The Greek language, you can look it up in the Amplified. You can look it up in a Greek lexicon. The tenses of the verbs are more expressive in Greek than they are in English. And if you leave it out, you'll be blind. I, I was blind to 1 John for years until I understood this word habitually. The tenses of the verbs mean habitually, lifestyle, continually. Okay, so I've added it to this passage as I read it here. 1 John chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. 
And really, John is just saying the same thing Jesus said up here in Luke 6. He's saying the same thing. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that habitually doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he, talking about Jesus, is righteous. He that habitually committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever is born of God does not habitually commit sin. Now notice, why not? For his what? His seed remaineth in him. If you're born again, you're born of the seed of Christ. And if that, if you don't have that seed, you're simply not born again. You're religious, but you're not born again. Okay? Now, that word habitually is so important, because I don't know any perfect people. If heaven is only populated by perfect people, it's going to be a lonely place. Okay? Now, we'll get into more of that in a minute. You're okay. Don't anybody think they've lost their salvation? (laughs) First John's a tough book. Okay? But the, the gospel, there's a narrow way. There's a narrow way. There is a narrow way. The way to life is narrow, and few there be that find it. Hello, few. You found it. He's working on all of us. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) People say, He loves me just like I am. He does. But He loves you too much to leave you the way you am. (laughs) You give Him a chance, He's going to conform you to something else. We'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Whoever is born of God, whosoever is born of God, does not habitually commit sin. Let's say it this way. Doesn't live sin as a lifestyle. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot habitually sin. You'll be so miserable. Gary, how do you know that? Going on. (laughs) You already know how I know that. That's how you know it too. Man, your conscience smiting you every step. Because he is born of God. Now, boy, it, this is, John is just teaching Luke 6. He's the same thing Jesus said. In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness habitually is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother. All right, now... So a man says he's a Christian. Maybe he said the sinner's prayer. Maybe he really did. Maybe he meant it. Maybe he had conviction as a little boy and walked the aisle. I did. About seven years old. And it was real. And I I heard God's voice as a little boy. I remember. But as time went on. Okay. What I'm hearing, just so you'll know, is don't add too much to what I said. (laughs) I can only go, I can't take a whole lot of rabbit trails today. Uh, but in my, I'll just give you my, I was very serious. I still remember. It was heartfelt. I know I got born again as a little boy. But as life went on and I got a car and I discovered girls, 
and alcohol and other things. I got far, far away from God. Um, if you'd have asked me, I'm like what I'm about to say here. If you'd have asked me in my uh, late 20s, early 30s, because I didn't come back to God till I was 33. If you'd have asked me, I'd be like this guy. Oh, a man says, quote, he's a Christian. I would have said yes. But if his lifestyle, day after day, day after day, if it's habitual sin, if that's the fruit of that tree, what kind of tree is it? You're quiet for a good reason. I don't care what he says. If the fruit is a habitual sin, that person is not a Christian, no matter what they say. If you don't like that, take it up with Jesus in Luke 6 or John in chapter 3. You know a tree by the fruit that it produces. You know a man by the fruit he produces. You know, in Oklahoma, we have a famous little town that produces peaches. It's called the Porter. Porter peaches are famous for producing the sweetest, most juicy. I mean, you bite into one of those on a good year when the season, all the temperatures were right and everything. I mean, you just bite into that. It doesn't need to be cooked. It doesn't need no sugar. You bite into that thing and that sweet juice would just run down both corners of your mouth. I mean, it's the best peach you ever had in your life. But you know, even in Oklahoma, some years we have a late freeze. I've seen uh, on TV, they'll have helicopters out there trying to keep the air circulating so it'll keep the, keep the blossoms from being, you know, what I'm saying is those are excellent mature peach trees, but sometimes circumstances will cause a crop failure. Sometimes it'll kill the tree, but most times not. And by the next season, if the temperatures, if the cycle gets better and everything goes normal, you'll have great peaches again. That's not really the today's lesson, but you just need to know life is not easy. Storms come to everybody. But if you stand on the rock of doing his word, when that storm's over, your house will still stand. Mm. Now, you have to do have to watch this, and I don't have time to teach it today. You have to watch hypocrisy, especially in preachers or people that stand in the pulpits or elders. Because hypocrisy makes it look like a good tree. If you want to read a, the best teaching on earth about hypocrisy, just read Matthew chapter 23, where Jesus is talk, talking, talking, talking. To the Pharisees, woe unto you. Next verse, woe unto you. Next verse, woe unto you, hypocrites. On and on. You, he, he tells the people, you do what they say because they would say Moses. They would say the, the truth. They'd say the word. But he says they'll say, but they don't do. Well, all you're doing now, you're taking a thorn tree and you're tying peaches onto it. <laughs> you're trying to make it look like a fruit tree. But on the inside, it's still a thorn tree. That's not today's lesson. Read, read uh, Matthew chapter 23, the whole thing. So you do have to watch that. And it's, it's easy to be deceived 
By the way, when he ends that section, the very next thing he starts in is, Be not deceived. Don't let them deceive you. Well, I was talking with the lady over here. She said the first time she heard the first John series, it scared her half to death because she thought she wasn't saved. <laughs> Pastor Bronke, after, after going through the first John series down there, he would lead his church in a confession. He'd say, Church, are you saved? And they'd go, We're first John saved. <laughs> and it did narrow our path. And it's supposed to narrow our path. But he's still pruning us. See, narrowing the path is pruning, isn't that right? Well, Gary, those three passages then, if, if, a, if a good tree produces good fruit, is it only perfect people that are Christians? Well, you can prove from Scripture right away that that's not true because Jesus said in John 15, verses 1 and 2, which I don't think I have them on here, but you can look them up for yourself. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. But he says, my father is the husbandman. And any branch that's not producing fruit, he'll prune it. Why? So you can produce more fruit. Well, that tells you it's not a perfect tree. We've all got branches. You know, sometimes it's not always sin. It can be false doctrine. It can be um, time wasters. Uh, anyway, you know, it could be... with me. Sue was a football widow on Saturdays for years. Forget it. I'm not leaving the TV. I don't care if the house is on fire. <laughs> You know, we're up and watching all these games. Which games are you going to watch? All of them. You try and get... I was glad when they come out with these modern TVs where you could have three games going at once. You can just, you know, picture in picture. All right, you know. All day, too. Time waster. But he's pruning us. We're not... I don't know any perfect people. Okay, here's another one to help you know that we're not... It's not perfection. It's good trees that are being pruned by the Father. That's who we are. See, Romans 12 says we are transformed progressively from the world by the renewing of the mind. Well, you know, that's a process. We all got born again in our spirit instantly. You went from dark to light, from being a sinner to righteous. Your spirit got born again instantly. That's a that's not a process. That's an instant. It's like it's a birth. The baby wasn't here. The baby's here. Okay, you were a sinner. Now you're born again. All right. But the mind renewal. We're all in that process even today. See, so that tells you there's still that's part of the pruning process. Also, to be honest with you. But it does give me hope that Jesus said, "The student is not above." Let's say instead of student, let's say disciple. The disciple is not above his master. But what is the goal? Well, the disciple can become as his master. Boy, that's a good one right there. Now, I will tell you this. When people get born again... See, when I got, when I got born again, Sue didn't follow me right away. She watched me for a while. She says, I wanted to see if it was real. And if she hadn't seen change in me, she wouldn't have followed me. But we're not perfection, but boy, there should be a radical change when you go from dark to light. And she saw it. I, I, I didn't want to go to the bars anymore. I didn't want to get drunk anymore. I didn't want to... Uh, it's hard to motivate me with money anymore. I, just, I wanted to go to church. What? We hadn't gone to church. I want to go to church. You know? So she watched. 
Homer Betancourt tells the same thing. He was, I love Homer because he was worse than me. I'm teasing Homer. I love you. <laughs> Homer, he, te- I mean, he was sleeping around and, and, and crack cocaine and all of this stuff. He said, I'd have been dead if I hadn't have been saved. But his wife says the same thing. She watched him. She said, there was no denying the change. Now, he wasn't perfect. None of us are perfect. But she said, I watched him. And there's no denying the change. And she saw it was real, so she followed like Sue did. That good stuff? See, there's a, to, ju- to just trick people into saying the sinner's prayer doesn't do a thing. Because if it's not, you've got to believe in the heart and say with the mouth. Not just say with the mouth. You've got to believe in the heart. Hallelujah. So it does mean when you get born again, you really do become a different kind of tree. Now, you're not perfect, but there should instantly be enough change to say, oh, that's not the same person I used to know. Something going on there. Now, turn to 2 Corinthians 3.18. Because we haven't got to the good part yet. This part, by the time we get to the end of this, this message would get me kicked out of virtually every church I ever grew up in. And that's because the true message of Christ is so different. What I grew up in, and mine was really a fairly good church compared to a lot of them, at least we... Okay, boy, see, he stopped me right there. <laughs> I'm not trying to slam anybody. But my understanding of, of the church, my understanding of the message of Christ growing up, Thank, they thank God they taught the cross pretty accurately. That Jesus was our substitute. He died in my place. And if I receive him as my savior, I could be born again and go to heaven. They, that part they did pretty well. And you could, you could get saved there. I've seen a lot of people get genuinely born again there. But the doctrine from that point forward was, yeah, but you're just an old sinner saved by grace. And what they meant by that, if you really boil it down, is you're forgiven, but you're not changed. You're still that same old sinner. You get to go to heaven. But you're still that same old sinner that you was. You've just been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Well, that is false doctrine to the tenth power. The Bible doesn't teach that at all. But that's the biggest denomination in America today, teaching that. Okay. So, Second Corinthians 3.18. I'm going to read it out of the King James, but then I'm going to read it out of the, out of the, out of the Amplified Bible. Sorry. By the way, I like the classic Amplified. There's a new version of Amplified, which I do not like at all. But I like the classic one. It's hard to find. To buy one, I mean. Second Corinthians 3.18. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, and that's mirror, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image. From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now see, again, the Greek language carries a lot more information than our English. The Amplified, the classic especially, brings out the true, what the truth, what Paul really wrote. What the Holy Spirit really wrote through Paul. So this is 2 Corinthians 3.18 out of the classic Amplified. And all of us, as with unveiled face... Because we continue to behold in the word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. Now this part. Are constantly being transfigured into his very own image 
in ever-increasing splendor and from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. See, it's not a... In your spirit, you got changed instantly. We went, again, from dark to light, from sinner to saint, if you could say it that way, from child of the Adam to child of God. Can I say it that way? But the renewing process, this beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. See, and if it, if it didn't, if my Bible did not say same image, whose image is it talking about? Jesus. My Bible says I can be changed into the same image. Not something lesser. Not something diminished. See, I, if my Bible didn't say that, I'd call you a liar. <laughs> but it does say that. Look at it. Same image. And then one day, thank God for praying in other tongues. Thank God for meditation of the whole Bible. Assimilating all the books. Thank God for Pastor Dave Roberson who taught us all those things. Because I'm still struggling with this religious idea. My religious brain is having trouble. Same image. I'm, do you know who I am? This is Gary Carpenter. A mess with legs. You know. What do you... What? <laughs> you, you're saying it's possible that this guy can be changed into the same image? I don't want to call God a liar, but I'm having a trouble, trouble with this. Then he says, well, that was my plan from the beginning. And I went, I said something real spiritual like, what? (laughs) Then I heard in my spirit, Genesis 1, 27. Back to to Genesis, y'all. Genesis 1. Look at verse 27. This This is a Bible class today, study class. Wish I had the gong. And he said, no, that's been, that was my plan from the beginning for all of mankind. Look at Genesis 1.27. What was his original plan? So God created man in a diminished image of himself. Is that what yours says? So God created man in a fallen state who would never measure up to his own image. Doesn't say that, does it? So God, his original idea for man... Original plan. See, God's not a quitter. He's going to have this. We're going to have a new heaven and a new earth that sin never touched. You are going to be transformed, even your body. Excuse me, i got to worship. Thank you, Lord. The older I get, the more I'm looking forward to that, buddy. He's going to have it because God's not a quitter. We're just in a certain stage of this restoration process. But the day's coming. We're going to get to live on that new earth. He's going to come live with us, by the way. And that earth, sin has never touched it. Death has never touched it. And we get to live there forever with him. Well, that was his plan from the beginning. He never intended. So you know what the last enemy, you know what God calls the enemy? The last enemy that's going to be conquered? Death. Death was never part of his plan. Never. Okay, that's another message. 
So in what, in what image did God originally make man? Genesis 1.27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Now get this. Male and female created he them. How many genders? Two. Just two. So we've destroyed evolution. We've destroyed transgender right there. Okay? Or all the genderisms. Two. That's not the message today either. <laughs> but this image, he told me, he said, no, that was my, that was my, always been my plan. I wanted mankind to be in the image of me, of God. Well, who is the express image? You already know that, but look at it in your Bible so you can tell others. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Look at that one. Who is the express image of God? Hebrews 1.3, talking about Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory, now notice, and the express image of his person. Continues on, but that's the part I wanted you to see. Jesus is the express image image of God. That's why Jesus said to the disciples, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. I am the express image of the Father. Boy, see, this is why he has to keep me chained. I have so many lessons I want to teach right there on that sentence. But I'm chained to this one today. Okay, one more verse. Romans 8, 29. Romans 8, yes, Romans 8, 29. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually turn that. I'm going to give you some previews of coming attractions. First, we'll just stay with this for the continuity of thought. So God wants, he wants man made in his own image. Man really fell from that image, so he had to send his image again. He sent his image in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, who laid down his own will and only lived for the will of the Father. One of the reasons why, so we could see the Father in the life of Christ. We could know the Father once more. How do you know him? I see Jesus. Okay. Now, Romans eight twenty nine. you can see that this was always God's plan. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. To be conformed to the what? The image of his son. That he, the son, might be the firstborn among many brethren. See, Jesus is called the firstborn from the dead, not the first raised from the dead. There was lots of people raised from the dead before him. He is the first one born from the dead. Pastor Dave would say, the captain of our salvation, he had to sail into our spiritual death. He said, if you want to live, get on the boat with me. We're going out of here. And he's the one that sailed us out. But he got out through the new birth himself. He had to be this day have I begotten thee, talking about when he's birthed the second time, brought back into the earth. And he is the first 
born from the dead. Why? That he can be the firstborn of many brethren. You also have been born from the dead. You've gone from one kind of tree to another kind of tree. Now now we're back to the purpose of the seed. For illustration, Jesus talked about trees. I'm going to talk about trees. There's an, let's talk about an orange tree. God originally created an orange tree. We just read about it back there in Genesis. Okay, this, this tree produced fruit, orange, that had the seed within itself. And if you took that seed and planted it in the ground, what do you get? Another orange tree that, guess what, can produce oranges exactly the same as the first one. But yeah, if you, but if you take the seed from that tree and you plant it in the ground, what's going to happen now? Something diminished? It's going to produce oranges exactly the same as the original tree. Because the seed, the life in the seed has not changed. Excuse me, I'm trying to keep my feet here. The life in the seed has not changed. You know, there could be a Dave, Dave Duck, he likes parables. You know, we love uh, Chuck the Duck and, and uh, Baby Piranha. <laughs> All of, Thank God they help us, don't they? Let's talk about the orange tree. Let's say one day the original orange met up with an orange today in Florida. And they had a conversation. And uh, said, oh, you're the original? You're, you're, a, you're an orange from the original tree that was God planted in the garden? Yes. Yes, I am. I'm glad to see that you're still producing. I'm, I'm glad to meet you. Oh, by the way, if you didn't have my life in you, you could do nothing. If you didn't have my life in you, you could do nothing. I'm the original life. You're a tree from that life. But if you have my life in you, you can produce oranges the same way I produced oranges. None diminished. Does this sound familiar at all? We're getting there. I'm going to read the paragraph the way I wrote it. Now we're back to the original purpose of the seed. Because there was an original orange tree. The seed for more orange trees was in that orange. Every orange tree today can be traced back to that original orange tree that God had created. And the orange seed today can still produce what the original seed produced. If the original orange tree could have a discussion with today's orange, it would say... I want you to know that you can do the same things I did. My life continues in you, and you can do the same things I have done. Does that sound familiar? Let's look it up, though. For we're Bible class, John fourteen twelve, so you can share it with others. You guys are going to be teaching this all around the world. John fourteen twelve. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me. The works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my Father. What is, 
What's God doing? God has reseeded the earth with life. It's Genesis. That's why Genesis 1 and John 1 are really both Genesis. First is the natural creation. But John chapter 1 is the beginning of the... It's the Genesis of our spiritual creation. God's restoring everything back to His original plan. And He's not going to quit till He has... Born again, children of His in glorified bodies living on an earth that sin has never touched. (laughs) Feet. I can run good in the Spirit. I'm telling you. I can't dance, but I can run. Now, Jesus Christ is the seed. There's so many verses. I just picked a few. Galatians 3.16. You don't have to turn to these. It's up to you, but... If you're going to teach others, you might not want to. But Galatians 3.16. Now to Abraham and his seed, seed, were the promises made. He saith not, and to seeds as of many, but of one. And to thy seed, which is Christ. Christ is the seed. Verse 29, if you come right down in that same chapter, Galatians 3.29... And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now listen, we read it in Genesis. Every seed produces after its own kind. We also know every... Yes, sir. I saw that pyramid again, so I'm going to tell the story. Years ago, I watched a documentary, a documentary, and they had discovered a one of those Egyptian pharaoh tombs. And, of course, they always had gold and ivory and statues and wealth and all kinds of stuff in there for their pharaoh to use in the afterlife, they thought. But in this one, there was some sealed jars that had airtight that contained wheat seed and had been kept from exposure to the air for several thousand years. I can't remember now if it was two or three thousand years, but somewhere in that ballpark. Well, the question arises. That wheat seed has been two thousand years. Will it still grow? (laughs) So they got some of it out and they planted it. And did you know that seed produced exactly like it would have two thousand years ago? You mean the seed that God planted 2,000 years ago will still produce in us? And it'll do exactly the same thing? Isn't that what he said? We just have to believe it. If you believe it, you'll do the same works. Now, I did hear Dave recently say on a... Dave is still teaching, by the way. He recently taught me this. He says, we keep... This is on one of the worship... In, it's volume one of the worship, about four or five, lesson number four or five, somewhere right in there. We keep trying to get God to just go over there and do that miracle for us, please. Just Would you just go do that? And we just want to stay the same. And God, you go do that. But that was never his plan. He says, no, he wants us in the spirit to go where those miracles live so he can do that miracle through you, not independent of you well that sounds like fruit that has to come through a tree that sounds like I am the vine you are the branches the fruit does not appear on the vine the fruit appears on the branches his life through us I like that orange tree parable 
Hello, modern orange tree. I'm the original orange tree. My life is in you. And you can continue to produce oranges the same way I did in the beginning. Because my life is in you. I expect you to do the same thing I did. God. Every seed produces after its own kind. Now get this. this. In the natural, we know this is true. Every seed can produce what the original produced. Isn't that true? Every seed can produce what the original produced. Now, religion says that is blasphemy. But Jesus says that is the truth. Every seed produces after its own kind. Said another way, every seed can produce exactly what the first seed could do. Christ is the seed that has been sown in our hearts by God when we got born again. Now listen, like any other seed, the full image of the mature plant is in the seed, even before it's sown in the ground. The full image is in there. You know what the problem has been? Church, good trees. I'm talking to good trees. It's not that we're a bad tree. The problem is we're not mature. Now, Jesus taught that really plain, but it's not taught by the church very much. Go to Mark chapter 4. Not Mark 4. I've heard a thousand messages on Mark 4 where we're going to skip over the main part. We're going to look at the maturity part at the end of it. Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. See, Jesus taught this, but the church doesn't teach it unless you go to Alan's services. Alan teaches it all the time. Mark 4, verse 26. And he said, this is Jesus. Now, this is right after he taught. We all, everybody in here, you've heard so many messages, messages on the sower sows the word. You could teach it about as good as any preacher anywhere because you've heard it so many times. But how many of them emphasize this part? Verse 26. And he said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Now, for today's lesson, Christ is the seed, you are the ground. Got that? I know you can sow healing seed. I know you can sow prosperity seed. That We've all started there. That's kind of an immature level. We all, But he's bringing us to the maturity level now. The real seed he's talking about is the word of God, Christ, sown in you when you got born again. Okay. So is the kingdom of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground. That's what happened the day you got born again. He sowed Christ into you. So you're the ground. And should sleep and rise night and day. And the seed should spring and what? I want to use Norval's voice. Grow up. <laughs> the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. Boy, that's right. But it does. For the earth brings forth fruit of herself. Now notice. First the blade. Then the ear. After that, the full corn in the ear. This is what Dave is talking about. He says, we, do, we just want God. Can you just leave me alone? Can't you just leave me the way I am and just go do that miracle over there? 
And he will do it. That's called the gifts. If you want to know the truth of it, that's the gifts. And he will. He'll do that. But it's sporadic. That's not what he wants. It's never what he wanted. He wants the seed to come to full maturity in us. Because look what happens. First the blade, then the ear. After that, the full corn in the ear. Save for me, maturity. The seed has come to maturity. But when the fruit is brought forth, in other words, it comes to full harvest, immediately he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. You don't harvest before maturity. But the church, most of the church today, will harvest you the week after you get born again. They'll put you in all kind of program, whatever it is, and they'll get you so busy. There's no time to go pray. There's no time to fast. There's no time to spend time in the Word. You get, and if that doesn't work, he'll get you busy in the world. Problem, person. Mark 4. Persecutions, afflictions, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things. You just get too busy to nurture the seed. So it never comes to maturity. You do know that three out of the four kinds of grounds he mentions in Mark 4 produce no fruit. And the ones that did produce fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Around here we're going for the 100 fold. I'm going to say it again. It is not revival till Homer Betancourt receives his sight and that toe that diabetes took. It is not revival until Victoria receives that brain. Because Jesus would give it to her. He will give it to her through us if the image comes to maturity. It's not revival until Tommy Perez steps out of that wheelchair, flies to Tulsa, Oklahoma, stands at this pulpit and gives testimony about what great things God has done for him. That's our Jesus. That's the image come to maturity. But it's got to come to maturity through us. He is the vine. We are the branches. And if that doesn't come to maturity to us... See, the problem, it's not that you're not a good tree. I'm going to use Gary, not you. It's not that Gary's not a good tree. But I'm producing little immature peaches. You don't want to taste my peaches. <laughs> I did that one time. My dad planted a peach tree... And at the end of the first little year, I mean, the little thing's a sapling. It's not any taller than me, but it produced little bitty, like steely marbles, those old timers. Ah! <laughs> a marble. What? Little, it never, they never got any bigger. So I went and, pe- I went and picked one. Ah, peach. Oh. Ah, here's another man that's done it. <laughs> that was the most bitter thing I ever put in my mouth. That can't be a peach tree. That's a perfectly good peach tree. Just one problem with it. It's not mature. You come back in a, you come back in a few years. It'll be, be sweet and juicy. God's calling us to maturity. Don't focus on activity. Focus on maturity. One more. He doesn't stop there. He gives you one more. Verses 30 through 32 in Mark chapter 4. And he said... Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or what, with what comparison shall we compare it? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. It's a seed. It starts small. 
But when it is sown, it here we go again, it groweth up and becomes greater than all herbs and shoots out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. In North America, mustard plants only get about belt high. But the mustard plant, the kind he's talking about that grows in Israel, they become a tree about two to three times as tall as me. They can be 12 to 15 feet tall. Somebody sent me one time a mustard seed from Israel. It looked like a pepper grain. Tiniest little seed I ever saw. But you've got to understand the image of that full tree is already in that seed. That's what he's talking about here. The image of the full, that giant tree is in this little pepper grain of a seed. Christ in you might be a little seed right now. But if we give the Holy Ghost a chance, he will mature that seed to full harvest. Not just 30, not just 60, but 100 fold. And we should be able to produce the same works, the same fruit that the original produced. And that's exactly what he said would happen. Focus on the maturity. That's what every fruit tree does. I've never driven by a field of trees and saw them with their branches. I will produce fruit. I will produce fruit. You know, they got trying to fruit appear. That, that's not, that's not what happens, is it? What's required? Sleep and rise, night and day. Focus on the maturity. Nurture the seed. Water the seed. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living. Water the seed. Focus on maturity because the day will come. Fruit trees produce fruit because that's what they are. And that's what Dave said. He gave, he did all those parables for us. Trying to walk in more love. The husband that would take the breakfast to his wife every day. And, oh, it was wonderful for a little while, but Dave says, trying to walk in more love by human energy is useless. You'll come to the end of that. I'll never forget the first time I heard him say this. But he said, it's not hard to walk in love when love is what you are. There it is. That's maturity. You just love because that's what you are. You've allowed the Holy Spirit to transform you to that same image. Now, the last thought. Any of us, because He gave us free will, any of us can choose to stop the pruning process at any time. Look around the room. Most do. What do you mean stop the pruning process? Stop meditating. Get, just get busy with life, whether it's ministry or life. Stop spending all that time reading the Word. Stop that fasting business. Stop that prayer business. Just worship. Just sing along with the CD in the car. That's all you need. Yeah. Well, those are the type of people in Mark 4 that eventually produce no fruit at all. Or maybe 30-fold. I'm not okay with 30-fold. I thank God for Pastor Dave who lovingly but relentlessly pushed us, if you'll allow me, encouraged us, prodded us, poked us, <laughs> bribed us. I, 
any way he could get back in prayer. Spend time in fasting. Spend time with the Lord. We'll see you in 30 minutes.